Well, good morning. We're glad you guys are here, whether you're joining us here in the building, or whether you're joining us online or in your car some other moment. We are excited you are here. And, you know, we have been working through Genesis in our Genesis series, and we have pulled aside last week and this week because we're looking at some ancient holy days that God told his people to celebrate deep in the Old Testament. And we do that because these holy days deep in the Old Testament, they tell us what God has done and they look forward to what God is going to do to fulfill them in the future. Last week we looked at the Feast of Trumpets and if you remember we had uh, someone blowing through a ram's horn. Um, I blew through a ram's horn for for better or worse what that was. And that was uh, the Feast of Trumpets and we saw how Jesus is going to fulfill that in the future. And today um, as we work through the Hebrew calendar, we get to something called Yom Kippur. You probably know all about Yom Kippur, but in case you don't, it's also called the Day of Atonement, and atonement means to cover up, simply, to cover up. On the Day of Atonement, your sins would be covered up by God's grace. That's what the Day of Atonement was, and I was a much younger pastor uh, 30 years ago. You can imagine that. It was a long time ago. I was in Chicago uh, visiting, and I first heard uh, a pastor, a young guy named Rob Bell, speak on today's sermon and gave an illustration. He and Ray Vanderlaan have both had some things to say on this that I want to give credit for because they helped open this up and shed some light in some ways that we have looked at from then on. So I want to give credit for Bruce first bringing this to, uh, to my attention, and now I want to jump in because we have a lot to get to, and there's a lot of variables today. I'm excited for what God's going to do. I don't know all that's going to happen. That's all I will say, and it will become clear as we get there, okay? We're going to go to Leviticus 16, verse 3. In Leviticus 16, God pulls aside and he, he communicates to Moses what the Day of Atonement should be like. This is a high holy day. This is a very important day. In fact, in Rosh Hashanah, last week, it would be kick off this 10 days of awe where people would, we would investigate our sins and we would repent and we would clean ourselves and, and, and courageously look at ourselves because the day of, in preparation for this day, the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement is a really big deal to those in the Old Testament. And it's a, re- it's a really big deal to us if we understand why. So Leviticus 16, verse 3. This is how Aaron is to enter the temple sanctuary area. This is on the Day of Atonement. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He's to put on the sacred linen tunic, the linen undergarments next to his body. He's to tie the linen sash around him and put on his linen turban. These are the sacred, sacred garments, and he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. Now, here at the orchard, and when it comes to um, our uh, budget that we had set aside for high priestly robes investments, I looked at the budget, and it was lacking. And so this is what we have, Mr. High Priest, if you would step down here this morning. This is our high priest, and it would look something like this, not exactly like this. There would be more, lots more gold and things going on, but I wanted to get you an image of a high priest, the high priest of, of the community who would stand before us and, and God. And so we have this, this, this priest investments, and he would stand before his community, before the people, and the people all understood what was going to happen on the Day of Atonement. Now, us today here in America... We don't know what he's probably, some of you might, but we don't really know what the high priest is going to do. But our pastors brought somebody out in an outfit, and we're really curious. Now, but wait, there's more. You're going to see what's going to happen. What would it have looked like on this ancient day of atonement? 
What would it have looked like on this holy day where people would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to be a part of it? Well, there are some scholars who believe at that time, Second Temple, there was, like you could fit almost 200,000 people in the surrounding mount. That they would, they would all come together. And you can imagine this massive, huge gathering. People coming from all around to, to, to see this, to be a part of it. And this temple, it was built to God's specific design. It was built specifically how God outlined the temple to be built. Stone by stone, inch by inch, how it was. It was of great significance. The temple was where the divinity of God came down to dwell amongst humanity. This was a sacred place. And they made sure that the high priest's sacred garments and his headpiece, and it was all crafted exactly how God described it in his word, how the high priest would dress, how he would look, because there is something, and the people would know this, there is something very sacred going on on this Day of Atonement. It's not just some, some, guy, some priest in special robes. It's not a sash. It's not the fact that he had bells around the bottom of his garment. It's, it's not even the sacrifice. There's something much larger that the people would know is going on. And I want to communicate that to you today, that you leave knowing what the Day of Atonement was and what it means for you. You see, on this day, this high priest, he would stand in front of the people. He was doing what God asked of him there was a deep and holy exchange on this day where God's presence did for the community what the community could not do for themselves. Let me read in Leviticus 6, verse 7. The priest is to take two goats and present them before the Lord at the tent of meeting. He's to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. They would roll to see which goat, which goat was which. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord, and he would sacrifice it for a sin offering. So one, would be, one goat would be for an offering. Two goats. Now the second goat, but the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat, shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used in making atonement, covering up, by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. We're all really clear what's happening, right? We have these two goats. And what would be great today is if we had a goat. If we had a live goat, that would be awesome. Um, I mean, we have a high priest, but if only we had a goat. Yes. This goat's name is Come Along, and uh, this is Meryl from Cedar Ridge Ranch, a friend of our family's. And here's what I'll tell you that I, I didn't, and those of you joining us, here's what I'll tell you that I told first service. From this point on, I'm not in control of what's about to happen. And so I want you to give me and come along a lot of grace because I will be making a lot of noise and so might he. And, and there's other goat things that come along might do and I want you to just collectively be okay with it. Okay? Goats are gonna goat. That's what they do. Let's not be surprised. Now, but here's the point. One goat was the, the, the priest would sacrifice for sin. The other goat would be brought before the Lord. The scapegoat. This goat, the word for scapegoat is Azazel. The word Azazel has come under a lot of discussion, but the word Azazel holds in it a taking away. Azazel has this word imagery of taking away, as in a scapegoat taking away 
the wrong of others. You've heard it say, like, well, that's just a scapegoat. It's taking away the guilt that somebody else had. So that's part of the meaning of Azazel, to take away. So imagine with me hundreds of thousands of worshipers all gathered on the Temple Mount once a year on the Day of Atonement, this high holy day, to have their sins covered up, atoned for to be reminded of God's grace, of God's mercy. And at the pinnacle of this, the high priest would have these two goats. He would sacrifice one. The second, Azazel, the scapegoat, he would bring it forward. What would he do with Azazel, the scapegoat? Let's read. Leviticus 16, 20. When Aaron had finished making atonement in the most holy place, the tent of meeting on the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, he's to put on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away in the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat shall carry on itself the sin to a solitary place and the man shall release it into the desert. So the high priest, he comes in front of the entire community and, and, and he, he comes and he puts his hands over this goat and he symbolically, he confesses the sins of the entire community. You, your sins, me, my sins, our sins collectively, your spouse's sins. I mean, this took a while, right? He would put all the sins, uh, confess them upon the head of Azazel. Our sins as a community transferred to a goat. Tradition tells us that the person giving the job to, to lead the goat away, it's a, it tells us they were a Gentile. They were not a part of the community. It was an outsider, someone who had no connection with, with the people of God and the community. Because, here's, the re, here's the reason. Because we, we don't want to be out there with that goat. Do you know what that goat has on it? All of our sin, right? But we need somebody to tend it because we're going to send the goat away with all of our sins piled upon it. And the last thing you want three days later is to be sitting there on your front porch and have Azazel come marching back into town. You want it to go to like rifle and be done forever, you know, like <laughs> sit it down there. The priest would confess the people's sins and it would be led away. Now, why is this significant? Because God said what was happening he, he told them this, that on this day and through this whole thing, that, that their sins would be removed. The day of the atonement is that moment where at the core of, the, at the core of this day is that God's people get to leave, lead a forgiven and redeemed life. So this day with this goat, like we're like, what? What's this preacher doing? This was, this was just part of their life. This was no big deal. This was what they did once a year. They did this weekly with different animals. But the goat carried our sins. Catch this. The goat, would, Azazel, would carry our sins so that we didn't have to carry them any longer. All the stuff you had carried in the past year, the guilt and the shame, the vices, that, 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 that conflict, that bitterness you had to that person that wronged you, all the things you have, you have carried on the Day of Atonement, the priest would put them on Azazel and, and he would send it away and you and me and us, we didn't have to carry. We didn't have to carry it anymore. We didn't have to. That's what God's saying. So the question is, what are you carrying today? In a room this size and for those of us, those of you gathered or listening to us, watching us other places, what are you carrying today that God would say, you don't have to carry it any longer. 
You've been carrying bitterness in your heart toward them for so long, it's time to release them. You've been carrying shame. You've been carrying guilt. You've been carrying uh, the, whatever vice. What is it you've been carrying? Because the Day of Atonement, that's what it was for, to say, listen, there is a zazel to take away, to cover up for your sin, and you don't have to carry it any longer. The goat would leave. And as a community back in those days, we would watch as our bitterness, our sin, our anger, our conflict, our garbage, our stuff left. And we were free. He lay both his hands. The high priest would come over and symbolically put his hands outstretched over Azazel. He put both hands over the live goat and confessed the sins of the people. And he would put the sins on the head of Azazel. Now on this day, if you were part of this community, you wouldn't think it kind of strange and cute, there's a goat there and what's going to happen? We would be, this would be a sacred. This would be somber because you're watching the priest as his lips move and he confesses the sins of our community, our anger, our bitterness, our lust, where we have turned away from our God, where we have committed idolatry, where we have, we have put other things above God, where we have, we have cheated in business or cheated on spouses, where we, where we have lied, where we have stolen. You would watch and you would see the high priest and he would be confessing our sins upon Azazel and it would be sacred, it would be somber. Because he is transferring our sin onto the goat, Azazel. We would watch in silence, in somber, at the sacred moment. Now at this point in the, sanctuary, in the ceremony, we have another tradition that, that comes from two separate sources. That after the priest had confessed the sins upon Azazel, he would grab something. He would grab a red cord like this. He would grab a regular red cord. And it says he would get the red cord and he would place it upon the head of Azazel. He would place it upon the head of the goat. This was a visual symbol. After he prayed our sins upon it, and he would put this in, he would wrap it around, he would, the, 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 the horn on the head, this would be a, a visual symbol of our sin upon Azazel, the scapegoat a symbol of the blood of the people, the, the, the blood that, that we deserve to be shed, but instead, Azazel would carry our sin. The tradition goes on to, to, to say that as the priest would do this, um, after he was done, he would take the red cord from Azazel and he would place it in a public place where all the people could see. He would place it there in front of all the people, a reminder of our sin, of our, what we have done wrong. And then the writings would say that the goat would be led away. And, and here's, here's what the writings, they, they wrote this down. Sometime later, in the coming days, sometime week, we don't know exactly when. They didn't know when it would happen. The strangest thing would happen. The tradition they began to write about was that at some point, this crimson rope that was over the head of Azazel that was prayed, uh, that, that, that symbolizes our sin, in public, it would turn white as snow. Now, they didn't know if it was when Azazel died somewhere out there or it's God's timing miraculously, however he did it. But this red cord in ancient commentaries that the actual priests and people talked about 
But we won't find mention of this red cord in Leviticus here in the Day of Atonement. But if we look deeper into Isaiah, we see something as God speaking through his prophet, first person, he says this. He says, and tell me if this brings up any imagery, Isaiah 1.18, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And what I believe there is that Isaiah is, re- he, he is, now in context, do you see what he's, he's talking about? Isaiah is talking about something that the community of believers would know as a symbol every single year. They saw this. They watched it happen. And so when Isaiah says, your sins used to be as scarlet, but now they're white as snow, they know what he's talking about. And now you can read that verse and know what he's talking about. That our sins have been miraculously taken and made as white as snow. Leviticus, back to 16.22 in our goat. Then the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it into the desert. A person not of their community, a Gentile, was appointed to the task. Now remember, Azazel the goat, it means to be taken away. That's what Azazel means. The person appointed to lead Azazel away was Azazeling Azazel, taking away the goat that takes away. It's removed. It's, it's no longer here. Your sins, you would watch this in those communities on this day. You would watch your sin, our sin, communally be taken away. Now, here's the question. That's interesting. We have a goat. We have a man. But what does it mean about Jesus? How does Jesus fit into this whole thing? We have this ancient holy day that, that says all these things. What would, how does Jesus? Well, let, let's, just, let's just take this connection to John 19. John is telling us that Jesus is before a powerful man named Pilate. And there's a mob of angry people. Jesus' own community has, have, has said he's guilty and he should die. And even though Jesus is without sin, they're going to take, uh, they have taken what they say is guilt, and they have placed this guilt upon him. The high priests have done this of Jesus' time. It says, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Now, if you, if you were held down and soldiers took thorns and they pressed them into your skull from the back to the sides around the front and they're here, what, what color of scarlet ring would you begin to wear around your head? A crimson, red ring up around your head. So we have Jesus crowned in crimson. Now let me ask you you, just two questions. What was it again that Azazel means? To take away. Second question. When Pilate had beaten Jesus and when he crowned him and he wore this crimson thorn, this crown, Pilate turned to the crowd and he loved this moment. He said, here's your king. Here's your king. What would you have me do with your king? And, and many of you are going to say, well, then they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. But that's not what they yelled. John 19, 15. Take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Jesus stood there bloodied and beaten with a red crown upon his head the scapegoat for their sins. And when he said, here is your king, they chanted, take him away, Azazel, Azazel, take him away. Azazel was led from the Hebrew camp back in the Old Testament 
by a Gentile, someone not of their community. And we have Jesus. In John 19, 16, finally Pilate, after he was done, handed Jesus over to be crucified. He handed him over to to the Romans, the Gentiles. We have Jesus led away outside of the community while the crowd's chanting, take him away. And then these these guards lead him out of the camp. What, what, What am I getting at? That Jesus is our scapegoat. That Jesus is our scapegoat. At the cross, he took his sins upon him. So today, again, is there anything you need to place upon the true scapegoat? What have you been carrying in your life? What sin and shame? What self-image? What's from something spoke over you from your past? What is it that has been given to you that God would say, you don't have to carry it any longer, not because there's a goat, but because there is a Savior who's going to carry it all for you, that there is a better scapegoat who takes it all away, that the bitterness and unforgiveness and the vice and the lust and the idolatry and the materialism and the guilt and the shame that we carry with us, Jesus, our scapegoat, said, you don't have to carry that any longer. He died on on the cross so that our sins, our crimes, our abuses, our shames would be Taken away. Azazel. At this point, they would turn over the goat and they would come and get the goat and remove the goat from the community. And, and, and I don't, mean to, don't make any noise, but at that point of the Day of Atonement, the crowd would celebrate. Do you know why? Because their sins had been led away. They would celebrate. And, and I don't mean like, amen. I mean, you would have grown men turning and hugging grown men. I mean like Red Rocks, Encore, Last Song. Yeah, I mean Broncos, Super Bowl, Elway, spinning first down. I mean, yeah. I mean, everything you've ever done, you would, at that moment, uh, they would cheer. Now, now we're not going to cheer as the goat leaves this time. I want you to watch. Because we don't cheer because a goat's taken away. We have something else. And I'll tell you what it is. The high priest has been standing up here the entire time, hasn't he? And and many of you are like, he stood up here for the first service too. And you're thinking, wow, he's he's probably tired. Like he just, his whole job is to stand during the sermon. I want, you to, I want you to take that in because here, here's, the, here's the deal. The high priest standing, if you can understand the high priest standing the whole time, you understand the Old Testament. The high priests never got to relax. Every year there's another day of atonement. Every Sabbath there's something. There's always a sacrifice. The people are always needing a sacrifice for sin. We're always needing God to do something. Their, their work is never undone. Like they, they're always working always standing before the people and God. That's the Old Testament, a high priest that was constantly, uh, symbolically working and standing for us. Many duties, weekly, daily, monthly, and yearly. And you can understand that the people of God, as they watch this, they would have a hope that someday, maybe someday there would be one sacrifice for all. And we wouldn't have to do all this. We wouldn't have to get the goat every year. We wouldn't have to go to the, the whole Sabbath sacrifice. We wouldn't have to do all this. Oh, if there was, there was one sacrifice. I mean, couldn't we just do it once and for all? Couldn't there be a way for God to intervene into this 
so that no other sacrifice would ever be needed? Do you know what they'd call that? They'd call that good news. Hebrews 10, verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. It's, this is a dim preview, it tells us, of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves, just a preview. The sacrifices under that system, they were repeated by the priest again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices, every year as you would come and see these things, it would remind them of their sins year after year. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins for all time. It's just not. And so continually, continually for generations and generations and generations, they had to do that. Verse 12, but, but our high priest, Jesus, offered himself, not a goat, not a lamb, not a ram. Jesus offered himself to God as a single sacrifice, good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Why do you sit down? Because there was no more work to do. And so while the Old Testament priests would stand and stand, our high priest did the work one time and did the work for all time, and then he got to sit down. For generations upon generations, the high priest and then his sons, and they would go on and on through time, would learn and take care of the sacrifices. But Jesus, no. He did all the work so that no other sacrifice would need to be given it says this, when our high priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down. The work had been done. In Jesus' words, it is finished. Now, before I, I, I end this, I want to tell you one last tidbit from the Mishnah. The Mishnah was written, it's not the Bible, it's a commentary that the sages and, and rabbis would write about their experiences. They write his, history in it, but also some commentary on the Bible. It doesn't carry the authority of the Bible, but it does reveal some things that they were dealing with and what they were witnessing. And the priests and sages, they began to write about something. They began to write about the red cord again. The priests and sages, they began to write about this again, much later. They began to write about the red cord that they would hang in a public place and it would turn white for generation after generation after generation. They write about 40 years, about 40 years before the destruction of the temple, the red cord that had always hung in front of the community, something curious happened and they thought it important enough they should begin writing it down and recording it. The red cord stopped turning white out of nowhere. And they didn't know why. They couldn't figure it out. These authors are Hebrew rabbis and sages who, who did not believe in Jesus as Messiah. These are rabbis recording something curious that is happening in their community that didn't happen 
before. And for whatever reason, it's not turning white. Now, why did the cord stop turning white 40 years before the temple was destroyed? The temple was destroyed in AD 70. 40-ish years before that was the year AD 30. And around the year 30 AD, Hebrew scholars rejected Jesus. What else happened that year? 40 years before the temple was destroyed, Jesus hung on a cross. And when he did, the temple veil was torn. A sacrifice was given once and for all. The sacred red cord that had always turned white from that year forward never did again. They didn't know why. But it's because atonement had come once and for all. The ongoing sacrificial system, the ongoing sacrificial system was no longer needed. He had done all the work. No longer we need a high priest because our high priest, Jesus, he did everything. And then what did he do? He sat down. Now here in a moment, this priest is going to sit down, okay? And he's going to represent our high priest. We're going to watch him sit down, symbolically sitting down like Jesus did, telling us that the old has passed and that the new has come and we have a Savior who has a new covenant. And when he sits down, I want us to do something, something you might have done in church before. I want you to go crazy. I want you to do Red Rocks, last song, last minute, Super Bowl, end zone catch, because here's the deal. They celebrated back in those days when the goat left the building, when the goat left the town. But we get to celebrate the fact that we don't have a goat, we don't have to do another goat next year. Our high priest did the work and he sat down. And I think, in my opinion, if, we're, if they're going to go crazy over a goat, over a goat leaving the, 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 uh, the community, I think that we can make a little bit of noise on behalf that our Savior hung on a cross, rose again, did all the work needed, and then sat down. So what I want, uh, what I want is this. I want you to appropriately get, appropriately get ready. I want you to put your coffee down, put your notes down, put things down. Back in those days when the goat left the community, you'd have grown men, hugging grown men, high-fiving, whooping, hollering, people standing up, children on chairs. Now, now we have a Savior who did that for all time and sat down. So Orchard, here's a little test for you. Because because we want to worship in our gratitude, in our gratefulness, and in our celebration that we don't need to do anything year after year. Jesus did it once and for all. You can't celebrate sitting down. So 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 in a moment, we're gonna do it, we're gonna appropriately, appropriately thank Jesus and tell him, we see what you did. You did it for us. And we're so grateful. Our Savior, our Savior, yes. He died on a cross. He fulfilled everything of the Day of Atonement. And then he sat down saying, it's done. 
all the work for your sin, it's done. Oh, you want to pay penance? Sorry, no penance left to pay. It's done. All the shame you feel from your sin because of Jesus, it's done. All the things that you're carrying into this place, guess what? He carried it on the cross. If you're still carrying it, you need to lay it down. It's done. He sat down. There's no more work for a high priest to do. What do you think you're going to do? What can I do? It's done. He did all the work. And so when we go into communion today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the elements of the bread and the blood, and I want you to have a moment like the high priest would have where you confess your sins, and you know what they are. You confess your sins over your communion, the symbols of Jesus' death. Confess all your sin upon it, and then thank him. Thank him because he's taken all that, and he sat down, and then you take communion. If you're in this place today and you need extra prayer, I'm going to ask for um, some prayer people to be over here by those doors and some prayer people to be over there by these doors. If you have need for extra prayer, I want to be here for you today to pray for you. And if you would like to pray to receive this Jesus into your life, I'm going to be up here. I'm going to come talk to me. The rest of us, we have a lot to sing about today. We have a lot to celebrate today because we serve an amazing Savior. Amen?